Clay, I wanted to start this podcast off by apologizing for being late last episode when you had uh, dusted off the old summoning podcast device mm. and I didn't show up for a little while and I wanted to apologize and I just wanted to, um, I know we should take a little bit of personal responsibility for these types of things, but I wanted to kind of give, give an explanation as to why I didn't show up on time for our scheduled podcast. So uh, Please you, do. You, you obviously remember I, I had to um, rent that therapist's office, right? To yeah. get, I had to give Renee Picard uh, as a client. I had to, you know, buy some sweaters. I had to do the whole mm-hmm. thing. We pretend we mm-hmm. had to go through multiple appointments. That took a little, while, a little bit of a time. But then after that, uh, I had to actually break into the Soong laboratory because I yeah. needed to reprogram his VR headset. And apparently, and I, I have to remind you that I don't have my powers at this right. point, right? I, I, right. This, yes. is, this is very. This is very troubling to me. I don't have my power. So I have to break into a billionaire's mansion in the LA mm-hmm. Hills and where he's doing secret experiments in his basement with eugenics. And yep. I have to get in there and I have to reprogram his VR headset. On the side of that, I also, again, I don't have my powers, right? So I have right, to create right. a cure for the daughter who's locked in the basement there that he's been doing eugenics on. So I had to actually sign up for a two-year postdoctoral position at the local yep. research center mm. where I could get access to the machines and everything like that, and I could craft this sort of cure that was going to cure her. Again, I don't, you know, have, my, don't have my powers. Get, getting your degree at your age, is that's, that's just you know, a round of applause right there. Right. So that alone, I understood, would be an excuse enough. I'm, clear, I'm clearly not Chinese or Indian either, so I had that working against me as a postdoc in this lab set. And outside of that... Once I had the cure and I had, you know, made a few publications for my sponsor PI and everything like that, I, I, I mm-hmm, did mm-hmm. all the work there. Once I had the cure, I had to browse Etsy to find the perfect little thing. Because again, I don't mm-hmm. have powers here, right? I, can't, right, right? I can't just make this thing. So I had to find an Etsy uh, little tag on it that said freedom. Mm-hmm. I had to pay $5 extra to get that shipped out to me. I somehow have a shipping address. Yeah. <laughs> Not, lovely and nice and rustic and very very uh, that's all that's that certain feel. everything you look on etsy is rustic and well faded paints and everything like that so that was really fantastic but then really the the thing that killed me and again i don't have my powers is that right, i had right. to get into the basement of the lapd by pretending to be an fbi agent and right. I had to forge, again, without my powers, I had to create a badge to scan, to get in, get the costume, go into the secret lair, no one asked any questions, and then I showed up. And so right. that's a long way of saying right. I'm, I'm very sorry for being late, but it's, it's been a hell of a journey. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm impressed that no one noticed that your FBI jacket actually said female body inspector on it. <laughs> Well, again, I don't have my powers. Things, right, things that's are- what I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> what, what, what I can't, I can't really expect so much of you, given that you don't have your powers. No, I mean, you see that? You yeah, you see that? There's there's just mm-hmm. literally nothing happening there. I don't right. know. Yeah. Here we are. Thank you for indulging me on that little bit, but I felt that we had to do a capper to last week's. Mine went on a little bit longer though, but we'll get into all of that and more because we're going to talk about. Mercy, mercy, mercy. The eighth episode of Star Trek Picard. It's second season. It's only one mercy in the title. Came out April 21st, 2022. Written by Cindy Appel, who's been writing 
every episode, I think, and Kirsten Bayer, directed by Joe Menendez in Universe Date 2024. In this one called Mercy with Time running out before the launch of the Europa mission, Picard and Guinan must free themselves from FBI custody. Seven and Rafi come face to face with Gerardi and the horror of what she's become. You know, um, if you would indulge me. Yes. This late into our run here, we're, we're coming close to the end of, the, of our story and our, our show. Um, <clears throat> I'd like to take 45 minutes or so to introduce a new character and uh, just give you some very quick, long-winded backstory. Um, <laughs> My introduce, favorite kind of backstory. Quick and long-winded. Quick and long-winded. Introduce a uh, vague childhood trauma that is the driving force of every decision this character has made for the rest of his life up until this point where he meets John luc Picard who um who just snapped him out of it real quick by uh <laughs> by convincing him that the guy in the woods was an alien who was not trying to blow his head up and uh just really set him at ease wrap that story up and just move on that's what i'd like to do right now if, if, if we could yeah of course i i think the good uh a good entry for this one is that you don't have access to the patreon uh so you haven't i haven't sent you these comments but a lot of people in the last episode were saying uh you guys are missing out because that character that actor plays a voyager character in one of the later seasons who is a time traveler and he's going to be that character from voyager in this episode mm. i said ah. oh that's a, that's i guess that's some lore i'm not aware of me and clay don't really know that that's kind of interesting if they do that it would make thematic sense and of course they show doesn't do that it's just the same actor no. who's playing a different character so shame on all of you for thinking that something else was going to be happening yeah yeah i was i was convinced <laughs> <clears throat> maybe a third of the way into that storyline that he was there was a still chance that he would turn out to be another Q. Um, but then those hopes for were very quickly dashed after that point. And I would realize, no, this is just this is just uh, a, a time wasting subplot that is going to um, <clears throat> uh, quality wise lot rise. Not much higher than high school produced theater mm -hmm. um generous you really like this episode i guess uh man <laughs> well you know it's just the it's just the little storytelling bits that i the, the non-verbal and visual storytelling where uh you find out so slyly that he's been fired from the fucking fbi <laughs> <laughs> He's happy because about it, he though. walks in with a box of stuff and says, well, they fired me from the FBI. <laughs> well, I mean, he was no I, he's also keeping them down there under false pretense. Right. Because he has some line about he's like, you got we're in the like in the basement because you're not really arrested or something like he's he's sort yeah. of falsely imprisoning them, which you would think would deserve a visit from the police chief, maybe to come down and apologize yeah. for what's going on. But just the empty box is enough. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Mercy, uh, all I can think about is just the uh, that gratuitous season-long torture sequence of Theon Greyjoy in Game of Thrones where yeah. before he gets his dick cut off, he's crawling on the ground uh, screaming, mercy, 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 and then they cut his dick off. I yeah. kind of feel that that's an appropriate uh, reference to this episode called Mercy, which, you know, all bad things aside, and there are a lot of bad things, so I'm going to have to push for a while. Once they're aside... 
I do think this episode accomplished one thing, and maybe I'm just slow, but I don't think so. Can I guess? Is it that it it proved, hopefully, that COVID did impact the production of this show because there was really no other excuse for how awfully this whole episode is staged? <laughs> The multiple there's there's a lot we can go into that. I think COVID did have some kind of impact, although strange. It's 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 something I wouldn't. I don't know. It's it's so um, it's so of a piece with all the other shows. Uh, granted, they would have better staging in those shows, but I I, I just feel there's a better fix. But we'll come to mm-hmm. that. I think what this one mm-hmm. actually did is that it, in all seriousness has established what they thought the structure of the season was supposed to be. Oh, interesting. Go on. Please elaborate. So, um, th- basically the way that they thought, and this is, this is horribly executed, obviously, as, as is the case for this series, but how we've been sort of floundering to figure out what's been going on and what the point of this is, I now more clearly see what they're trying to do and how horrible it's being botched, which is basically that... Mm-hmm. The spine of the story, like the the burn of the story, is the Borg Queen assimilating the past. That's like the sci-fi Star Trek story that everything is hanging off of. Mm-hmm. And what they're doing is by what they're hanging onto it, or what they're trying to do, is that it's a season that's about trauma, which seems incredibly obvious uh, because all the characters have been talking about it. But thematically. And I think Akiva Goldsman said something. Is like he, his interest was that trauma is a kind of time travel device, and that you can never mm-hmm. escape from it, and you can you always go back to it. So you have things like Raffi and her whatever she's talking about in this episode about being a manipulator and her feelings about Elnor. You have that se- scene was egregiously bad. <laughs> you have Seven as a Borg survivor going through her kind of thing in the 21st century. Gerardi mm-hmm. is alone and isolated and depressed. Picard's mother is a source of trauma. You have Rios and his ice storyline. You have the cop and the Vulcans, which is his trauma. You have Soong's daughter going through her own thing of trauma. Mm. And what they've done is that Q is going through his own version of trauma, except because he's an omnipotent God creature, his trauma is in the future as opposed to something in the past, which is that his trauma is realizing that he's going to die from whatever's happening to him. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Q is suffering from this sort of unique version of trauma, which is that he has not actually suffered anything, but he is going to suffer something in the future. Mm. And however they're going to dovetail it, that's what the point of all of this has been. The, mm-hmm. the downside of it is that the show seriously, seriously, seriously undermines trauma because it has no real understanding of what the word means anymore. So in the sense that, like, I'll talk for just a second, I'll I'll throw it to you, but in the sense that, like, it's difficult. One thing about talking about this show that's very hard and difficult to do is that a lot of people want to get, like, political with its messaging, and I've, I've probably complained in the past about this sort of, like, the, the ideas and the politics that drive the show tend to drive the storyline decisions that they're making. And mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's as overt as that. Like, it's not Discovery bringing Stacey Abrams in at the final episode of last season or whatever. It's not, it's not this overt thing. But what drives them is a fundamental ideology that informs modern far-left progressivism ideology, which is that there's like... 
Nothing is of yourself. You are the outcome of everything that has been done to you. You're, you're like victim. You're, the victimology of yourself is what creates your present situation, which is kind of distinct from saying that all the things that you've experienced make you the person you are, which is a reasonable thing to say. But it's more a sense of that bad things constantly happen to people and the bad things are what makes them the people that they are. It's not just sort of like a give and take of good and bad stuff or life and things coming upon you. Mm-hmm. It's a sense that heavy bad shit is constantly happening to you. But what the show seems to undermine that with is that, interestingly, multiple storylines in this series are that your trauma is actually a misunderstanding of something. It's not what you thought right. it was. And so right. it it's also kind of making fun of this idea, I think unintentionally, because I think they seriously believe this, but, but the Picard's mother trauma Picard actually didn't know what was going on, and so he's not really traumatized by that. And this cop story, which is he's built his entire life off a misunderstanding, is also similarly corrected by just explaining to him that this is not the case and that you're wrong. It's a really fascinating... Both situations really really uh, putting a lot of stock in what these... The, the two mystery people who are telling them this information are is are actually saying like yeah it's, it's a lot of trust in that stuff right yeah and yeah. and it's so I'll I'll just finish up and you can talk because I've talked a lot of time but I think that it's it's a weird it's a very modern ideology that is I, I've said be, I think before when I was more mad about the show I called the creators of the show stupid I don't think the creators are stupid. But I think they're beholden to an incredibly stupid worldview. And I think that they don't really understand what they're talking about at any point. And the show is just a flailing arms and legs kicking that they don't really know what their point is outside of the fact that they know that this is kind of the catchphrase that they have to go with, that the se- the season arc is trauma. And how are we going to do that? And I think that it runs into problems because Star Trek has historically not really done this kind of thing. Like this is a very right. different idea of what a star trek universe is supposed to be so it comes off as clownish it's it's just absurd <laughs> to the point where you, you i can't i don't think there's anybody in this show who has suffered in a way that i think you can hang a story on really like it's either a misunderstanding or it's loneliness or it's like this sort of artificial borg thing which is just a symbolism for a metaphor for um, being like a duck out of water kind of thing. It, it's just not... And the final point, I'll throw it to you. I've talked too much. The, the The way that the kid meets the Vulcans in the woods plays metaphorically like he ran into a pedophile in the woods, right? Right. That's what's well, weird about it. They also... <laughs> They also have Picard literally say he said this when I was looking away from the screen. So I, I, my eye, I, my eyebrows shot up. And I immediately <laughs> looked back to the screen when Picard says, "Show me what he did with his hands. Show me how he touched you. Show me, yeah. on, show me on the doll how he touched you." And that's what makes it so strange because they're metaphorically playing with the idea that he was raped in the woods in the mind sense that like Star Trek fans always say that a unwanted mind meld is kind of a rape of your consciousness. Mm-hmm. They're they're playing this idea that he was raped and traumatized in the woods, and he's been dealing with this his entire life, only to have Picard go, no, he didn't rape you, he just touched you on the face, and the guy goes, oh, it all makes sense. No, it's even worse than that, because Picard goes, no, he was just trying to roofie you so you'd forget. <laughs> like, his, his, comforting, his comforting words 
are that no no he wasn't trying to squeeze your head he was trying to wipe your mind clean so you wouldn't remember what you saw and that's not so i mean the best thing i can say about that vulcan shit is that at least at least they gave that storyline about as much time as it could ever possibly deserve which is maybe 10 minutes maybe 8 to 10 minutes of screen time yeah instead of the Picard shit with his mother, which they've been hanging over everybody's head for five or six episodes before they resolved it in 10 minutes. Yeah. And it's, as I was watching this, <clears throat> something something kind of popped into my head. And it's that uh, the concept of the gritty reboot, which has been... Um, parodied and kind of maligned over the past handful of years once once these things kind of became in vogue has somehow in the last handful of years morphed into the uh grief and trauma reboot yeah and what the what this show and 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 discovery is and a lot of other shows like it that do this is it's the same thing as it's like the the counterbalance swing of the gritty reboot where instead of being uh dark and uh angry for no reason you are just leaning into all the reasons why you'd be dark and angry and it has the same like it's the same kind of false idea of how to create an interesting character yeah <clears throat> And it's really fascinating to me because it's like it's like it's like a gritty reboot <clears throat> if the grit was a therapy session. Yes. And I don't I'm I'm really fascinated as to why things are going this way, especially with Star Trek. And this season, I think you're right. <clears throat> I think you're right in, in your analysis of what they're trying to do. Um but it's just so poorly executed it's terrible it's 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 horrible execution yeah it's it's amazing it took eight episodes to clarify for us what the sort of spine that's going through everything here is yeah you know this episode i'm i'm actually shocked that you said the 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 woman who wrote this had been writing all of them Uh, she's written at least the past three i think she her name has been one of the writers on it yeah because i thought this was by far the worst most poorly written episode and and i I don't even mean that i i mean like the dialogue was terrible it was speech after speech after speech where every single character got to like get teary-eyed and kind of explain what was going on with them in a way that is so unnatural and used it, it just felt so painfully um modern tv where like they would string together a bunch of uh big words really quickly as like a quippy response like it's fucking gilmore girls or something (laughs) sure and it was just so jarring and it didn't do it much favor when these things are happening when two of your characters spend an entire episode in in an alleyway walking back and forth in an alleyway for some reason and then the other two characters spend the entire episode in a basement. Mm-hmm. And then you have two other characters who are in a nicer basement. <laughs> and then you've got Rios and the kid who are on a ship, which looks like a basement. Yep. yep. And it's just, it, everything felt so staged and so like 
junior theater and you you are this cop plot just really sums up and really shows what is bad about this show in not only not only the the way that they they kind of bungle the resolution but just the the idea that they introduce this shit and this so late into the season and then wrap it up so quickly and the the moment of like trauma or whatever they want to call it is so is like fairly benign all yeah. things considered and i was thinking it's like if they had introduced this cop in like episode 3 maybe this would feel a little bit more earned like if this guy was kind of on their tail the whole time right but just to toss this thing in there and expect anybody to give a shit about what's happening with this guy is frankly insulting (laughs) (laughs) not to mention the fact that it brings up so many questions about why he saw vulcans in 1983 or whenever or 1950 or whenever he was that age yep um it's just like i don't understand why you're supposed to care about this uh other than oh well everybody has to be has to have trauma on this show so obviously yes. this character who has more than three lines has to have a traumatic event in his past that gets dealt with yeah because Guinan tells Picard all humans live in the past or something right she says something like that as she's doing her mind yeah her, her power power mind throw or whatever it is when she's basically like that episode of The Simpsons when the, when they're running from sideshow Bob and so they go to witness protection and he's trying to tell homer that his name is homer thompson mm-hmm. and he just keeps going hello mr thompson and just hitting his foot and then homer finally goes i think he's talking to you <laughs> like that's what that scene felt like where guinan force ghost projects herself into the next room and bleeds from the nose because that's what happens now when you do stuff with mind powers you bleed from your nose yep and uh and <laughs> they can't humans keep running from their path. I'm so I'm sorry, guy, and I I don't know what you're saying. It's like, oh my god, I hate this show. I hate it so much. It is bad. I it, it was interesting because I agree with you about all the complaints. I actually thought this was the most enjoyable in air quotes episode out of the past five. Oh, I or could so. do it. Really? No, yeah. I, I no. It was just everything was it, every single scene had like a long-winded speech that felt like it was written by a a college freshman and i just couldn't do it yeah i mean to come i that I, raffy stuff man was fucking awful yeah i i'm just like in in the middle of that conversation to do like a flashback to her yeah. <laughs> convincing elnor to join starfleet or whatever the fuck it was and they got El- elnor doing the same thing where she's like you know, Rafi's like, well, I don't know, maybe you should do this. And then Elnor has to have a quippy comeback where he's like, well, it seems maybe that your predisposition to act like a narcissistic uh, introvert is It's just like, shut the fuck up, man. Mm-hmm. What, what are we doing? Yeah. Well, that, that's the what, – what's so interesting about the show and gives it that sort of script, script by telephone game thing is that it, it's similar to me, the Rafi thing, when they say you're a manipulator, I sit there going – is she like how has that happened so the show goes oh that's right that we have to give you a scene where this actually happened so here it right. is right now it's the same as the Girati talking to the board queen and the board queen saying you're lonely and i go is she like is she right. really yeah. lonely it's not like we spent eight episodes watching rafi gently manipulate yeah turn seven. the screws on things yeah yeah 
no. I mean, that's just hasn't happened. I mean, uh, maybe maybe it has, and it's just it was so subtle that we didn't notice it. But mm. I I don't feel like that. Well, their relationship was off camera the entire thing. You know, really. Right. Yeah. Right. But like, e- even in the events of the two of them being paired together, they didn't do enough stuff for it to be uh, seen as manipulative. Right. Like it was. It was basically them kind of quipping at each other and then seven being the proactive one. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's supposedly a retcon of why she feels bad for Elnor, right? Because she realizes that she's been manipulating him, which we now learn in the eighth episode has been something that's been happening. So there's going to be a defense of this, that this is good writing because it does pay off somehow. It's just been a mystery to this point of why Raffi has been acting this way. And it's it's really no, not. That's it's really no. just that's a terrible excuse for what the show does, which is that it it creates mysteries just by withholding information that the characters should be dealing with on a day to day basis and an episode to episode basis. And when you have a situation like that where Raffi gets accused of being a personality trait, and I go, is she is she that way? I don't right, remember right. that. And then they have to show you the scene. It just goes to show how awful the execution slash. I guess it's plot, or it's just how they structure the season. It, all of these modern Star Trek shows just don't feel like there's a game plan for when they start writing the first script. It, I don't know why that uh, works that way. It must be some kind of internal production thing that they think is working and they don't want to change because it always comes out this way. Every scene in this episode felt like the scene in Gremlins where Phoebe Cates towards the end of the movie takes a minute to go on this monologue about why she doesn't like Christmas mm. and it involves like her father getting stuck in the fireplace up, right yeah, yeah pretending to be Santa and going down <laughs> into the chimney and it's just like it's so it's such a it's not something that they've built towards and it totally takes you out of the moment which is on purpose because they're doing it as a joke obviously because right. that kind of stuff is silly and but here they're doing it completely sincerely and when you do that stuff First of all, doing that stuff feels like lazy writing to begin with because now you're just having your characters explain what they're doing and why they're doing it, which you never want to do. And secondly, it's not like we've been watching them do these things. And this is like coming up to the, the culmination of of the, the breaking point where they finally have to have this conversation. Like the Seven stuff, Seven's on the verge of tears for like five minutes talking about herself in uh after we've watched really nothing with her for right. most of the like there's there, it's not like it's not like through this whole season seven has been constantly being pulled back and forth between oh i don't have borg powers and oh i i used to be a borg like that that's it just doesn't happen right except when it happens for 25 seconds in this and then she has a long speech about why it, it's it's been hurting her the whole time yep and it's just so frustrating because you've got this show has you have so much you've got ten hours, ten hours to do this stuff. <laughs> we do a regrettable ten hours. Yeah, I see. I've I've um what I think is kind of at least interesting to me or illuminating is that I've kind of given up. I know I opened it with a Q plot logistics thing. I've kind of given up on caring about the logistics of how the show is working in terms yeah. of its character stuff. And like, you know, like just to read, to re or to sum it up clearly Q's plot and his ability makes 
no sense whatsoever no. how he can do all this stuff when, again, he does not have his powers at this point. Everything he does is magical or unbelievable unbelievable or like miraculous in how he's able to do it. None of this makes mm-hmm. sense and none of it is explained. And it's not even like he says something to the effect of like, well... I've still got some juice left in the tank. It, it, they, it's just assumed that he's just powerless at this point. Yeah, and it, it, right, that he's not just sort of like flickering like uh, your audio cable was before we started recording. He's, right, he, right. He has no solid connection at all. It's just completely broken. Like if he had snapped and summoned like a plate of milk and cookies or something, <laughs> and then he was like, I was trying to... I was trying to turn vaporize you. Like that would yeah. be, you'd be. Oh, okay. Yeah, his powers are fucked up. He's 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 going haywire. Something's wrong. But they don't really do that. And uh, <clears throat> um, shit, I lost my train. Well, of he's he's dying. Clay. I mean, I mean do we, we can briefly touch on. Oh, so this is when they uh, they expose what is happening to Q. He is dying at this point. Something's wrong with him. They don't expose what his overall plot is, but I'm willing to bet that what I think is happening is what's happening with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is going to be cured via a Picard speech for two minutes at the end of the final episode. Do you think Do you think he's going to be cured in that he is going to survive? No, he's going he's to die. Going, yeah, do you think he's going to sacrifice himself to no. stop the Borg shit? Or what, do you think he's going to be the, the source of the, the problem? Hmm. I, I would I would hope with what they've done where he does not have his powers anymore that he just dies and he comes to he comes to accept his fate kind of because mm-hmm. I think that I think that's the theme is that once you deal with your trauma or potential upcoming trauma in the case of Q, that alleviates you from it. It's like it's mm-hmm. the living in unexamined suffering that the show seems to think is bad and I think that Q, Q, Picard will talk to Q and Q will go like, you're right, it's okay to die, that's part of life, and then he'll die and then that'll be the end of it. But again, to what you're saying, it would make sense if he somehow triggers them to go back and resets everything as a final act, but I don't know how they would work that in. Q, don't be afraid of dying. I know someone who can put you into a robot body (laughs) and you'll... Live out your the rest of your natural life, which is probably only about five more years. But hey, it's five years, right? <laughs> Who's counting? That's fifteen thousand, fifteen hundred days Man, or whatever. The 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 plot stuff in the show is bonkers. Like when when they when they're in the basement with the FBI guy, and Picard goes, "Q won't even have to do anything because." If he reports this to the FBI, they'll just cancel the whole launch. And I was like, what the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> that's drama, baby. Oh, that's, my God. That's Pulitzer Prize-winning drama from this this group. My favorite plot thing was I had to watch it twice because I, was, I wasn't sure if I had missed something. And maybe you can explain it to me. Maybe I have missed something. Why in the alternate timeline does humanity turn to a eugenicist to rebuild after an ecological disaster because wes he's a disgraced eugenicist who also has access to generals who can give him swat teams (laughs) that's why he can get things done i haven't missed something right they have not explained Mm -hmm. what the link is between soong and how he would assume power there right no no they have not gone into that stuff at all yet no 
So I so we just have to assume that this is just something you have to buy into that he just the 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 the, the planet turns to him after global warming cranks up the the temperature by five degrees. That we turn I to guess. Adam Soong and say you genetically bred humans therefore you're the person to lead us out of this ecological disaster i guess okay i don't know who knows apparently he's got two two paths he either takes over the universe or he dies alone so i but, guess if he doesn't do one then his story's basically over at this but point. in the original does the original evil timeline exist without the borg influence at that point is there ever a timeline where that happens, or are we pre this? I don't really care about the timeline stuff, but the, the Borg timeline um, causes that timeline to happen, right? Are we still talking about the divergence? Has that happened yet? That's I don't know. Picard, I've, right? No, no. I guess the the divergence is the the Europa mission. Okay. So if the Europa the Europa mission is successful, then. Rene Picard finds some sort of sentient microbiome that somehow makes. Sung obsolete or yeah. something. Yeah. I'm not really sure what that means. Not as appealing, at least. Yeah. So um, is it is it the little microbe going to eat all the CO2 in the atmosphere or something? Maybe. <laughs> God willing. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, all of that stuff is very baffling to me. Uh, chief among them, why? I mean, I guess they give the 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 excuse that the Borg queen needs to eat the ship or something yeah, because it's future metal. But I don't know why she even bothers. Why does she just hang around till they leave and then slowly assimilate the entire planet? Why even push temp fate there? Yeah. Why why not just go? uh, She's doing the bond villain plot here where she's taking too long to get to the point about what she wants to do. Really? Yeah. But my favorite was, um, She's just been hanging around. He's just, she's just been hanging out in the same alleyway for eight hours. Well, they, how long did they spend at that bar looking at that broken glass? Yeah, the guy was cleaning it up <laughs> the next. <time. laughs> like, did that guy? And that guy was very nice. Did he not see Seven just throwing broken <laughs> bottles at the crowd? <laughs> and so, like, it's daytime, right? So she was yep, there at daylight. night, and yep. she's busting that window at night. They're there at daytime. Let's be generous and say, okay, let's see what time. Do, what time do the bars close in L.A.? Let's maybe what, like four a.m. Yeah, probably. let's say four a.m. Yeah. So let's say she was there at four a.m. smashing the glass. Rafi and Seven are there. It's daytime. People are out and about. Let's give her the benefit of the doubt and say like eight, nine o'clock. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, the bar owner got a couple hours of sleep. Came back to clean up the glass, <laughs> or he's still there. I don't know. Yeah. Well. Yeah. He's. It's taken him a long time to get to that glass, I think, yeah. as a bartender. He, he should and keep his bar open, I would assume. And so they're standing there staring at this broken glass. And then they ask him where what what happened to the girl who did this. And he's like, yeah, I heard some guy kind of went down that way. I don't know. Kind of that general <laughs> direction. And like, okay, great. And apparently they just went around the corner and were hanging out in an alleyway for like five hours. Yeah. While yep. she was eating car eating batteries. Car. People are uh, people are interested about the car batteries. I thought the more interesting one was that the cop is fired at the end because he says that the com badge is made of earth material or something, mm-hmm. right? It is, mm-hmm. it is four hundred years in the future technology, right? Right. right. And, and they looked at it and they're like, "Well, this is 
made of copper or whatever the hell it's made out mm-hmm. of. And they said this can't be from anything but Earth, which is a real, uh, just a real sort of thing to get hung up on, I guess, the origin of this. Like, they kept playing that up with Picard, too, where Picard's like, I swear to God, I'm not from outer space. Yes. But, you know. That whole, everything about that whole plot line had big Garth Marenghi's Dark Place vibes. <laughs> <clears throat> Still have yet to see. I should watch that at some point. Um, let's see here. Well, I don't know. I just I I, I come back to the point of um, what I find to be frustrating about this show is just that I think that it has a really like uniquely for Star Trek. It has a childish viewpoint on things. I think it. I think it looks like a child at the world. Um, this to me is in line with Detmer and that horrible discovery season, which I still think is one of the most embarrassing scenes where they're all having dinner and she stands up and she's like, I fly the ship and everyone everyone has to go like, okay, yeah, I I guess that's true. They, they they all applaud and she, that's it for her. Yes, you do. I was just, um, I just don't know what they have to, to say about any of this. And I think that what's so interesting is how confused it is and that how we talked about Picard's mother. He's like, oh, my mother wasn't actually abused by my father at all. She was just locked in her bedroom for decades by him. Because I guess this, she was insane. Because she was insane <laughs> in the 24th century. I guess that's okay. Oh, this cop felt a, got molested by a Vulcan in the woods and it ruined his life and it drove him to become a, a molder character, a Fox Mulder character who's just an outcast among his bureau until Fox he gets fired. Fox Mulder would eat this guy's fucking lunch. <laughs> if Fox Mulder got, like, the, if somebody walked in off the street and was like, oh, yeah, no, your sister's alive, and she actually was taken by good aliens, and he went, oh, well, <laughs> I quit, I guess. I guess I'm going home to watch porn or something. Early retirement uh, for me. Like, come on, you spent, you've dedicated your entire life to searching for space aliens and shit, and this is the one thing that, like, steers you on a different path? What, are you going to go travel the rails now? Yep. yep. You know, I think the thing that is <clears throat> frustrating about this and is is in line with this sort of misunderstanding of what personal trauma is and how you deal with it. Or even on a narrative level of what's interesting about it. Yeah. Even on a narrative level is that I think, and I'm going to, I'm not, I don't want to say this and discount anybody's struggles, right? But I think this is a fairly Twitter based phenomenon, at least it seems that way, where in the modern world, there seems to be a disconnect between acknowledging trauma and actually dealing with it. Yes. Where this show takes the kind of Twitter route where it kind of equates them as being the same thing. So if you stand up in front of the class and say, I have PTSD because one time I flew the ship and I almost crashed it and everybody claps, it's like that's that's as good as years of therapy when it's not. And I think that's what's so frustrating and kind of insulting about this show is that's the way that they're taking this stuff where it's like once these characters acknowledge this stuff and someone goes, you're really strong for saying that. Thank you for sharing. It's like then it's just gone. 
Like then they just fix it. Yes. As opposed to, you know, I, I, I know it's a it's a cheap one to come back to, but like the the scene in in Star Trek Three when Captain Kirk talks about how much he fucking hates the Klingon. Oh, sorry, six, I think, where he talks about how much he fucking hates the Klingons. <laughs> <laughs> and how and why he hates the Klingons and how yeah. he needs that pain. And like that's so much more effective and more like so much more of an honest uh, like bearing of what his personal problems and trauma are. Yeah. Than this stuff, which is just so surface level. And obviously, I mean, you know, Star Trek six is not fucking Hamlet, but right. it's it, it's just so much. The, these shows are just so surface level in the way they handle these things. And it's like the way you defeat these problems is you just tell people you have them and then all of a sudden they're gone. And that is, again, not to discount, it is very important that this stuff that people traditionally don't talk about, you 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 are feel comfortable to talk about it because that's a big part of dealing with the stuff. But it's not the only part. Yeah. You know? I I I think what stuff like this does is that it waters down like it's just a larger sense of like the word has been watered down to not mean anything anymore <clears throat> at this point. Mm-hmm. Like I would not describe what happens to the detective in this as a traumatic, traumatic event that happened to him. It's a bizarre event, right? If if this is the event that shaped your life, come you're, on, you're not a real person at that point. You're no, not, you, no, that's, you know, even like, in the way that it happens, as however old he is as a kid, there, how does he? How is he so certain? Instead of living the rest of his life going like, "What the hell was I looking at back then?" Like, yeah. what did I see? I, I know I was eight years old, and it was dark, and I only had my flashlight, and I wasn't sure what was going on. Like, they they play it so obvious, and like w- the characters conceive of themselves and their problems too perfectly in this show. Like they they yeah. sort of understand what it is and. In better shows, the stuff that makes up your past and what makes up a character past is how it plays out in their adventures going forward. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's not just revisiting the stuff. It's like the stuff that shaped you as when you were younger is what moves on into the future here. I mean, I just I know it's um, if you indulge me again, it's like but this is a this is a pre Twitter and internet show. So in Deadwood, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's this, in the second season, the newspaper man gets roughed up by Hearst's goons, who and Hearst is the sort of capitalist who's moving in and trying to take over the town. So in his attack on free speech, he has his goons rough up the the newspaper man, and right. he gets beat up. And Al, the owner of the bar uh, of Deadwood, comes in, and Merritt is the newspaper man, and he's talking, but he's he's very he's he's in despair from being attacked by these guys and he's sort of he's like cleaning his face up and uh trying to pick himself up and he's very scared and he doesn't want to go back out there he's humiliated embarrassed and um al asks him about like what bad stuff has happened in his life and he says well one time um this one bad thing happened and then these uh then these goons attacked me today and then al slaps him in the face and he says al you hit me (laughs) and swearingen looks at him and the quote here is just interesting in comparison to how it lines up against Star Trek. But he goes, Elsewhere Engine says, pain and damage don't end the world or despair or fucking beatings. The world ends when you're dead. Until then, you've got more punishment in store. So stand it like a man and give some back. 
which in this discover in this Picard universe is completely antithetical to everything that this show believes in it, right? Like, sure, but that that's also that's also the opinion of a character who very much ascribes to that worldview. But where, no, no characters in these shows ascribe to that worldview. There is there is no right. one who says actually trauma makes you stronger, and right. there's a way that the pain of the past can be used to fuel you going forward here. Right. That's not right. the case in these new shows. And yeah. I think this, I think it's a shift in the public perception about what you're supposed to feel and like how weakness is now kind of seen as a, if not weakness, but like being some somehow under attack is seen as a kind of strength in some ways, as opposed mm-hmm. to a, I will overcome this and defeat this because I'm stronger than it coming at me. Right. I don't know. I just, Deadwood is good <clears throat> and this show sucks. <laughs> but it's like, <laughs> I, that is, that is a more honest, thoughtful group of sentences than anything the modern shows have said to me. And yeah, I find yeah. it, I just find it so that's what outside of all the plot shit and none of that makes any sense. And the narrative doesn't make any sense. And there's all these technical problems and there's all these canon problems. And it's like, none of this matters to me. What's truly offensive about the show is that I think it has a disgusting worldview. Basically it's like, yeah. it, it yeah. really is pathetic and weak and limp dicked about everything. And it's annoying to watch. Yeah. And I mean, like they kind of, I think uh, linking all of this stuff onto Picard the character, and maybe maybe this isn't just hasn't happened yet, but I feel like it's it hasn't the show hasn't uh, uh, been driving in a situation in a in a direction that makes me confident that it will. Mm. But like Picard the character should be the one who is making the the profound statement about this stuff. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. everybody everybody can deal with it the way they want. And I think I think it would be more interesting if they had everybody deal with this stuff differently, but they can't they don't really. And I think it's Picard who would be the character to not be completely kneecapped by this stuff. Yes. But but at the same time recognize how damaging and influential it can be. And you know, like I think I think John Luke Picard is the perfect character to to have some sort of like synthesis synthesis or statement that you're making about the uh, you know past trauma or emotional distress or whatever, and instead they're just kind of throwing him into the bucket with everybody else, and because it's all handled the same way. Yeah, I you know, the closest they get is the the Guinan stuff, which even is so weird that i think even in the show the the, <laughs> the cop is like what <laughs> where where where, the, where she and picard are like so you could say that uh the thing that happened to you actually was great because it brought you to this point that allowed you to help us and he's like what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> i mean my counter to that would be like well if it never happened at all you wouldn't have been five or six hours out of your way because you got arrested by an fbi yeah. agent but, yeah. yeah and like <clears throat> i think with this stuff too it's just from a narrative standpoint is this guy ever going to show up again Do you no think? he's done he's done like I, I feel like he has to in some way like even if it's 
even if he's like it's like shoot Q at the end or, so, or shoot I don't know Soong like you remember 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 in the first Ninja Turtles movie where they're fighting Shredder on top of the thing and then like Casey Jones is just kind of dragging ass behind trying to yeah. catch up and then they knock knock Shredder into the the trash can the the, the <laughs> trash truck and then Casey Jones just walks over and goes oops and hits the thing and crushes <laughs> Shredder in the truck I feel like that's the kind of role he's got to play or something like he sticks his foot out to trip Q as he's running away yeah like it yeah. just you don't how do you introduce a character like this who serves zero purpose like they get nothing from him all he does all he is is an obstacle. Like he has to, if he does not come back, then this show is like structurally fractured. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can never discount him coming back in the last episode to do something like that. I, I just think that like, see now, now we're running to the point where like, how much can they wrap up? Like is the Laris thing? How do you tie this back into all of this stuff? I was so confused at the end of this episode when they're back in 10 forward. Ugh, that may be gross to say that. Um, <laughs> when they're like, yeah, the transporter doesn't work. She's going after the ship. We have no way to get back to the ship because the transporters are broken. Then he's like, okay, we'll go use her, this other person's transporter. I was like, wait a minute. What? <laughs> Who has a transporter? And then I I, I realized afterwards, oh, I just don't know that character's name. He was talking about Talaris character. Yeah, Talon right? or whatever her name is. Yeah, the Laris, not Laris. Yep. Yeah, and it, I, it, who's not in the episode at all, so I completely forgot about her. And I don't know. It's just... Gone but not forgotten. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's this is a brutal, brutal show. Yeah, it's terrible. It's real, real stupid, real, real awful. And why do they go back to the bar? Yeah, I don't know. It's an abrupt cut, too. They're just back. Yeah, the bar. they're just yeah. hanging out. Like, what is the timetable on what they are doing? <laughs> what? <laughs> like, it, so they feel... At this point, I guess they feel like they've fixed the Rene Picard thing. And Picard yes. and and uh, Guinan are just trying to figure out what's going on with Q, which I, I guess they did. Yep. So they're just hanging out. They got nothing else to do. Yeah, I don't know why Picard wouldn't go back to the La Serena or something, or contact them, or whatever he needs to. <clears throat> what, what happened? to His communicator is it gone? Or oh, the cop took it? No, he gave it back. Right? He has a communicator. Uh, the one that they found, the one that the cop had, was the one that they got was Rios. Rios, right? Yeah, yeah. The, the show has gone through great lengths to eliminate communicators from people, and it doesn't feel like it really matters. <laughs> all no. at, at any scene but yeah a couple it also, of people lost them the show also went to great lengths early on to be like whatever you do don't fuck up the timeline and now it does not matter whatsoever no i mean that, that that's the um i was thinking about that as this was happening too and it's it's one of those things like the butterfly effect is named because you know it's the the wings of a butterfly will shift the air that causes a hurricane on the other side of the world right and sure it, it's one of those it's one of those tough narrative things because they try to justify how big of an event you need when the whole point of the metaphor is that it's a insignificant event would change right. anything. Um, right, right. And so it's it's kind of I don't I don't know why the show. I, I think that's one of those things. I don't know why the show even bothers to bring it up because it's not going to respect that rule down the line. So right. why bother? Just say we're in the past and we'll be fine. Because it's the, I, they think they said it and they're like, no matter what we do can't have a butterfly effect can't change a single thing 
all right, beam us into the middle of the Central Park in L.A. in, right. in broad daylight, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, the the reason that you bring that stuff up in a time travel movie or story is to ultimately subvert it, right? Mm-hmm. Like in Back to the Future, Doc spends the entire movie saying, you cannot tell me about the future. You cannot. It will destroy the space-time continuum. And then at the end, when Marty gets back, he finds out that Doc read the thing, and he put the bulletproof vest on, and he was like, eh, yep. fuck it. Who cares? <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? It's and like here. that's why you do that or in in star trek 4 they're like well we have to keep a low profile to make sure we don't fuck anything up and then then scotty's like yeah we'll give you transparent aluminum it's not a big deal what the hell yeah what's the worst could, could, that could happen yeah uh you know and it's they have their nice little paradox where it's like this is the guy who invented it but he invents it because scotty gives him the, the thing and you know it's it that rule that is a rule that's there in order to be subverted yeah but in this it is a rule that's put in place and then completely ignored yeah like it's not like you're saying they may as well have not even said it i guess we're done with mercy lord can we can we talk for a second about Mm. why sung has access to a swat team and special forces guys he just has money I guess that's 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 the only thing I can get. It's along the lines of why he joined the board. He can just do stuff, I guess. And it's like he is a disgraced eugenicist. Yeah. <laughs> His name was slathered all <laughs> over the papers, all over the Internet as a psychopath. Yep. Why does he have access via a general who he, <laughs> he was on the phone with? <laughs> <laughs> They'll do wonderfully general. <laughs> Why does he have access to a special forces team? I mean, like, they look like mercenaries, so I'm sure yep. that's probably it. But yep. but still, it's just what what is this character? What is he? Why why does he react the way he does when the Borg Queen enters his his house? What does he think is going on? Uh, she walks in, which, and he's just like, and she starts talking to him, and he is not anywhere along the lines of who the fuck are you? Right, get out yeah. of here. They haven't met, right? I'm not just forgetting this. They haven't met each other to this point. No, no. And he has that great line that I think works better on the page than the way they actually, it was just poorly executed where he says, am I, am I dreaming or is this a nightmare? Yeah. <laughs> Which makes zero sense. But I was watching it and I was like, oh, I think the idea here is that it's like, am I dreaming because this beautiful woman in a busty red dress just walked into my house? Yeah. Or is this a nightmare because she is some harbinger of doom? But the way they play it is in a, like a single shot where they don't emphasize that she's looking hot yep. and they don't em- emphasize that he's like really taken. He's just like, <laughs> he's just like half drunk or, or whatever <laughs> crying. And he's like, is this a dream or is this a nightmare? Is this a nightmare? It's there's only two episodes left. Clay, we're almost done. So it's the thing that what's her face? Corey has did she get like a souped up version of that stuff or is she somewhere like catching fire walking down the freeway right now no i think he cured her and gave her freedom why did q free her we don't know i don't know right we'll find out yeah we'll find out i don't i think that's the thing like i have to shut my brain off as far as like the mechanics of the stuff go because i don't know who is doing what and why they're doing it at any point yeah yeah like i don't know there seemed to be some lip service paid to the fact that q was doing all this stuff to drive picard towards the answer yeah he it's they're they're trying to twist it in the last moment towards q is doing something good right 
Yeah, which is just not tracking for me. Not with the way again, he's been I, acting and the no. things he's been saying. Also, yeah, again, Q's Q's dialogue is too much at this point. Um, he used to have flowery dialogue. He now just speaks in bad poetry all the time. Yeah, and it's annoying. Well, that's kind of what I mean. Like everybody kind of talks like that, at least in this episode. Mm. And it's just really, it's like bad Deadwood writing. Yeah. It's like Deadwood run through like the the WB <laughs> filter. <laughs> what was the, what's the thing Gerardi says? I believe, I believe a lecture on the futility of resistance won't be necessary. Yes. Fucking pray. That's very cute. You, you cute know. dialogue. <laughs> the resistance. That's what the Borgs say. It's what they do. Honestly, yeah, we we got to get back to the start. But I guess we're done. We're at this point. We're spinning our wheels. We'll see what the next episode brings to us. Not a good one. Another another bad episode. I think I liked it slightly more than you. Just I, I don't really know why because it was awful. But it the I love seeing stuff with Rios and the girl was terrible. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Why I don't even I don't that remember. kid that kid is fixing the ship. Yes. He's going to do something and he's going to fix the ship because that's how this stupid shit works. Who put the cake all over? Well, I mean, the only reason those two are there is that they're going to be there during the storming, right? And get, she get shot or something like that by the mercs. I don't know. (laughs) Who knows? (laughs) And then Rios will just go crazy and start cutting everyone's throats. The kid kid is going to stop the Borg Queen from uh, syncing up with the ship because he's got cake smeared in all of the usb drives <laughs> cake is all over these controls yep all right we're done that's it for mercy thanks everybody for listening hope you enjoyed the content hope you enjoyed star trek picard's episode <laughs> i hope mercy. i hope you did i hope you did enjoy it because is there I anyone not. normally we have someone leaving feedback who's like i kind of like this episode i kind of like this show and no one's doing it for this one no i don't i don't know even crazy youtube channels that love this stuff are like what what is the show this is i think i think because at this point things should be starting to come together and they are not but do you you find this fundamentally different from other it i would say that it's worse but i don't find it that different from discovery or the first season of picard really um i'd have a hard time determining why it's worse actually i I think it's just a sloppier version of that stuff yeah, I would agree. I do think it is definitely a sloppier version of of uh, of that stuff. Like as I was watching this one when they were getting into the stuff with this police officer, I started thinking to myself like is what they're doing here is this actually meant to be more episodic than I realize and like it's the actual adventures that Picard is going on this season is going around solving people's traumatic memories. Yeah. Is that is that like what the episodic nature is? Every every episode is a new character with a trauma that Picard gets to to soothe. I think that is somewhat of the intention. I think that's what they're trying to do, and it, it comes out terribly because it doesn't actually the character doesn't have a real story that they introduce. It's just right. because the serial plot is overwhelming the episodic stuff. The episodic stuff feels like trite little subplots that don't amount to anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's just it is very sloppy. It does feel like sloppier discovery. Um I don't remember it feeling this sloppy last season. I remember there being a lot of uh you know, 
questionable threads, but at least I felt like we could follow them to a certain extent. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but this one's just all over the place. Like I knew, I knew, kind of knew what the Romulans were up to. I kind of knew what was going on with the Borg. I kind of knew what was going on with Data's daughter and whatnot. Like yeah. it wasn't. It didn't have me. <laughs> Like literally grasping at narrative straws, trying to put something in place to 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 help ride this thing out. Yeah, I yeah. We'll we'll talk more about it next episode. But I I, I guess it's the to me what failed this season not failed, but to, to me what made this season seem stranger than the other ones is that in contrast to the other seasons, I don't think that this show ever really strongly emphasized what the main arc was that the plot is hanging on. Right. And, and right. as I said in the start, I think if you were to redo this one, it's the Borg Queen going back in time with the potential to assimilate humanity, really, because that mm-hmm. is the thing that like pulls everything. Looking back on it, it's incredibly bizarre. We spent even a single episode in the totalitarian future for no reason. Why were we right. there? You know? Yeah. More importantly, more importantly, why does the Borg Queen want that future to happen? That future, the the part of that future we saw was the Borg Queen about to be executed (laughs) as the last member of the Borg. (laughs) But why does she want Sung to to succeed here? Well, that's my question. Does she not appear? Is this the first time she's ever appeared at the split before the divergence? You know what I mean? I know. I don't. I, I don't know. I don't have a strong enough grasp on the terrible time mechanics that they have going on here. But I just. I don't know if that's supposed to be a novel thing that this is the first time she's ever spoken to Soong and caused this to happen, and therefore is somehow preventing it. I don't know. We're done. We're done talking about <laughs> Star Trek Picard. We're done talking about the episode. But it's Cold the Mercy. mystery, Wes. It's the mystery that keeps everyone coming back. It's been a hell of a journey, everybody. I'm glad you're listening to this. Thank you for supporting the show on just- Patreon. If anybody is out there as an aspiring writer, if the mystery of your show is what the fuck is going on, <laughs> that does not you're count. Not, you're not killing. That does not, not count as a mystery. <laughs> uh, yep, it's the um... <laughs> unless you're David Lynch. David <laughs> David Lynch is the only one who can do that. Is the the flight of the Concords business time? song or whatever it's like is that it i know what you're trying to say baby that's it yeah (laughs) (laughs) uh we're done with this it is over thank you everybody for listening thank you for supporting the show on patreon we will be back next week with the penultimate episode of the season i think it's called hide and seek so we will see if they've been hiding what we've been seeking in the next episode thanks everybody for listening we will see you later